The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, my name is Tobias, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Christ the King, and uh, this morning I have the privilege of continuing uh, with our study of the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, the passage that we're going to look at again this morning is Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 24 just for context. So I invite you to turn there now. <clears throat> And let's keep in mind as we read this that this is uh, the Lord's inspired and holy word. And this is his infallible word to us, so let's give it careful attention. Starting in verse 16. <clears throat> but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Now, let's ask his blessing on this. Let's pray. O oh, gracious and mighty and faithful God, we come to you this morning not claiming anything but the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that it is because of your faithfulness that we can come to you in his name. Oh Lord, we ask this morning that you will give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear the truth that you would have us hear. We ask, Lord, that you will cause us to submit to your word. And we ask that you will strengthen us by it. Teach us more about who you are, of what you have done, and what you call us to. And Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, so we have uh, come through six fruit of the Spirit. 
We've come through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and this morning we are at faithfulness. Faithfulness. This is something uh, that stands out. It's certainly something that stands out in the book of Galatians. Uh, This is a theme that Paul hammers home in the book of Galatians uh, over 20 times using this word just in six chapters. Uh, This is something that was celebrated by the Israelites. David says in Psalm 36, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Uh, He was overwhelmed by its extent. And I imagine that as we come to this fruit of faithfulness, I imagine that many of you or all of us really, are thinking about some situation or some some relationship and how it relates to faithfulness. I know that many of us just in the last couple of weeks have celebrated our anniversaries. And so perhaps you're remembering your wedding day and the vows you and your spouse took to remain faithful to one another through sickness and in health, even unto death. Or perhaps you're thinking about your current job situation and the commitment you made to your employer that you would be faithful to discharge the duties for which you were hired with, of course, the expectation that he or she would be faithful to pay you for those services. Or uh, perhaps you're a student here this morning and you're just breathing a sigh of relief. This sermon does not apply to me. Uh, I'm on summer break. I have no calling to be faithful to my homework and studies. Or uh, perhaps uh, you're thinking about a particular friendship one that was marked by care, uh, loyalty and trust and dependability. And because of it, it's one that you cherish. And perhaps you're just thinking about that epic movie, Princess Bride. And when you think of faithfulness, you cannot get out of your head Wesley's words to Buttercup that he spat at her. Faithfulness, madam, you're enduring faithfulness. Sorry for the horrible accent. For me, as I was thinking about faithfulness, um, one of the things that kept popping into my head uh, was a hero of mine, J. Gresham Machen. Now, if you know anything about J. Gresham Machen, uh, he was uh, the founder of the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. He was the founder of Westminster Seminary. Um, Machen was a brilliant New Testament scholar, and he was a valiant defender of biblical truth in the early part of the 20th century. And several years ago, uh, when I was uh, at a Society for Classical Learning conference in Baltimore, I snuck out and I ran over to Greenmount Cemetery in Baltimore, and I found his gravesite. 
And I was delighted to find inscribed on the stone there, faithful unto death. And really, uh, since uh, my first introduction to New Testament Greek was through Machen's textbook, I was more delighted that it was inscribed in Greek. It was glorious. <laughs> the fact is, when this virtue of faithfulness comes up, um, a myriad of situations and relationships come to our minds because we know that faithfulness somehow applies to every situation in our lives, don't we? And yet, what exactly does Paul have in mind here uh, when he talks about the fruit of faithfulness? Well, I think, fundamentally, he has relational things in mind, um, mostly because of the context of the book of Galatians, which is dealing with so much tension within the Christian community. Uh, but in particular, I think he has in mind those things which characterize our Lord and the ways he has acted toward his people and he will continue to act toward his people. Things like his trustworthiness, his dependability, his self-sacrifice, the way that he always keeps his promises. And you know, this makes a lot of sense to me. After all, we're talking about faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit. It's his fruit. It's what he's exhibited time and time again throughout his relationships with his people. In fact, being faithful is how the Lord described himself uh, when he put Moses in the cleft of the rock. You remember what he says uh, in Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness. And so just to highlight one example of the Lord's faithfulness, I'd like us to consider what the Lord promised Abram in Genesis 15. Remember that mysterious covenantal rite that we read about with the cutting in Genesis 15. Remember what he says to Abram afterward in verses 13 and 14. He says this, he says, Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Friends, the Lord God was faithful to each and every one of these promises. He gave a man who had no children offspring. In his providence, he saw fit that those offspring were enslaved in the land of Egypt. And yet, after 400 years, we know that he brought them out with his outstretched arm. And as he did so, Abraham's offspring 
plundered the, ri the riches of the Egyptians. You see, the entirety of the Exodus event, it stands as a monument to the Lord's faithfulness. And it does so in such a way that in the wake of the Exodus, we hear Moses proclaim in song in Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is but you know, what's perhaps even more astounding to me about the Lord's faithfulness is that it was demonstrated time and time again, despite his people's flagrant rejection of him. Indeed, the whole Old Testament, in a real sense, it could be summed up as a story of God's faithfulness and his people's unfaithfulness. Just consider for a moment how the Lord's people, despite his abounding grace, despite the fact that he redeemed them out of slavery and brought them into the land of promise, consider how they as a people time and time again forsook his grace and they played the harlot, and they served gods of their neighbors. I mean, the entire pattern of the unfaithfulness of the Lord's people and his continued faithfulness is what the entire book of Hosea is all about, isn't it? And you know, the Lord's people went after and they served foreign gods to such an extent that the Lord, in order to be faithful to his covenantal promises, which included bringing judgment for unfaithfulness, remember, this caused the Lord to have to remove his people from the promised land and send them into bondage in Assyria and Babylon. And yet, even in that darkest hour, the Lord's faithfulness was on full display. You see, the Lord did not ultimately abandon his people. He refused to allow them to wallow in the hardness of their own hearts. And instead, what did he do? He came to them again with words of new covenant. He came to them and said that he would act sacrificially on their behalf. And so we hear those glorious words of the Lord in Ezekiel 36, those beautiful words which declare his unrelenting faithfulness. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit 
within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Brothers and sisters, those are glorious words. And of course, the beauty of the gospel is that we know that the Lord accomplished this glorious and faithful heart transplant in the lives of rebellious and unfaithful sinners through the faithful sacrifice of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one whom John calls the faithful witness in Revelation 1.5, the one who said of himself and of his mission in Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many brothers and sisters. Do you see something of the glorious faithfulness of God? Do you see how trustworthy he is? Do you see how unrelenting he is? Do you see how sacrificial he is? In this picture of the faithfulness of God, we have a glimpse of what it means for us to bear the fruit of faithfulness. The Apostle Paul in our passage this morning is calling us as those who bear the name of the Lord to imitate the faithfulness of the God we serve. And yet, Friends, it would be a grave mistake for us to conclude in light of this picture that bearing the fruit of faithfulness is something that we can do on our own strength. This is far from it. This is not a call, as I've said many times before, this is not a call for us to gird up our loins and embrace a sort of sola bootstrappa discipleship. In fact, the Apostle Paul adamantly rejects such foolishness when he says in Galatians 3.3, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected in the flesh? No. Instead, as we seek to cultivate the fruit of faithfulness in our lives, we need to keep in mind precisely what it is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what He promises to bring to harvest in our lives as we yield ourselves to Him and to His work and seek to walk in step with him. And you know, I often thought that this idea of walking in step with the Spirit is similar to that picture we get of mountaineers tethered to their faithful and expert leader as they seek to navigate those dangerous crevasses. Brothers and sisters, like those mountaineers, we who belong to the Lord we are tethered to the Spirit. And our trust is rooted in His power and faithfulness to bring this fruit to a harvest in our lives. And so practically speaking, what does this look like for us? 
Uh, how do we bear the fruit of, spirit, of the Spirit? Faithfulness in our lives. I mean, we certainly don't get much encouragement from the world around us to live this way. One of Oscar Wilde's characters fam famously said, what a fuss people make about fidelity. Young men want to be faithful and are not. Old men want to be faithless and cannot. That is all one can say. It's nonsense. Friends, that is a cynical and utterly discouraging view of the idea of faithfulness. The Lord has something better for us. And so for us, for those of us who belong to the Lord, for those of us who have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, what does faithfulness look like for us? Well, I imagine we could think of many, many things. Let me just mention a few this morning. First, faithfulness is a life. Faithfulness is not a fleeting moment. It's not something we apply only to certain situations or relationships. Things like marriages or the contracts we sign. Friends, if Christ is Lord of our lives, then faithfulness is a life lived moment by moment in the ordinary as well as the extraordinary moments. It's a life lived asking each and every step of the way, Lord, how can I imitate your action and your thinking in this situation? Whatever it is. It's a life given over in wholehearted dependence and complete submission to the work and will of the Spirit. It's what Eugene Peterson has described as a long obedience in the same direction. Second, faithfulness is a life lived in humility, recognizing that our progress will oftentimes be slow and faltering, that because of our battle with indwelling sin, our fidelity to the Lord will sometimes fail. In other words, brothers and sisters, faithfulness is a life lived without the misguided expectation of perfection this side of the Lord's second coming. And yet one that nevertheless trusts, as the Apostle Paul did, that the Lord who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. I think Brennan Manning uh, did a great job summing this particular point up in his Ragamuffin Gospel. He says this, What makes authentic disciples is a capacity for faithfulness, buffeted by the fickle winds of failure, battered by their own unruly emotions and bruised by rejection and ridicule, authentic disciples may have stumbled and frequently fallen, endured lapses and relapses, gotten handcuffed to the flesh pots and wandered into a far county, and yet 
they keep coming back to Jesus. Third, faithfulness is a life lived in recognition that the world is watching us. That they're on the lookout for hypocrisy or inconsistency. And the things we do and the choices we make have the power, brothers and sisters, to commend Jesus Christ and his gospel to them or drive them away. Friends, we need to hear this. The Apostle Paul makes this point plainly to Titus when he writes in uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and he exhorts servants, but really it's applicable to all of us when he says that we shouldn't be pilfering, but showing all good faith, that is, showing faithfulness, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Friends, our faithfulness is an adornment that God uses to reveal his and his gospel's beauty. We need to take that to heart. And finally, faithfulness is a life lived in expectation of the Lord's glorious return, knowing that he is the rewarder of those who humbly walk in step with his spirit. Faithfulness recognizes that this present world is not all there is. Instead, faithfulness is a life lived in eager anticipation of one day hearing the Lord say, not because of anything that we have done, but solely on the basis of his grace in our lives. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Brothers and sisters, may it be that the Lord in his faithfulness will bring about a full harvest of faithfulness within each of us and throughout this community so that we might say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bow before you in humbleness and in awe of your faithfulness, unrelenting, never-failing faithfulness, faithfulness shown to us even while we were sinners. What a glorious truth, your faithfulness, Lord. Oh, Father, as we leave today, may we remember something of your faithfulness. Oh Lord, we ask that you will use your word this morning to bring this fruit of faithfulness to harvest in our lives, that we may bring you glory and that your name might be magnified in us, within our community and throughout the world. And we pray this in the mighty name the faithful witness, our Savior Jesus. Amen.